At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome on to a special Dunk Down with Danny taking a vacation that he foolishly scheduled for the end of August, not knowing that there would be NBA basketball at this time. We got a pinch hitter, Seth Partno from The Athletic. What's up, man? How's it going? Thanks for having me. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm pleased and honored to fill those shoes. <laughs> awesome, man. I, I figured if there's anyone else who's nerdy enough to just spend an hour talking about three games that just happened, uh, you were the first person to call on my list here. So let's just get right into it here with Denver and Utah. And I think where I want to start is just I tweeted this during the game. I can't remember another series, overall series, with all the teams, all the players, in which there's been this kind of shooting. Can you remember another series like this? No, and it stands out. I mean, the shot making across the entire bubble and then kind of heading into the first round of the playoffs even has been has been elevated. And then this is just another level above that, uh, just in, in, in terms of guys taking the shots that guys are taking and then that they, they, they're, they're making. I saw someone, I think it was KP, tweeted it during the game uh that that w- whether it was that 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 three on one uh pull up three that that murray hit towards the end whether it was more ridiculous that that he made it or that as he took it everyone's like yeah uh, go ahead that's a good look for you right now. <laughs> no I, I mean he and mitchell have been the two most ridiculous we'll focus in uh, on them a little bit in a second but i mean this is again both teams are basically 50 percent from three once more and you know jeremy grant Jokic just shot it really well. He's a 30% three-point shooter in case you forgot uh, on the over the course of, of the year. And uh, do you have an explanation on why shooting is so much better? Is it is this significant enough that we can stop dismissing it as random noise? Do you think it's just the same arena and the fact that the, you don't have this cavernous space behind the bucket? Uh what do you make of it? I think there's a f- probably a confluence of several factors i i certainly think that the kind of same arena um which i was i, I was really mad when i saw someone else bring that 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 thought up and i think it was mike prada uh brought it up and i was like oh why didn't i think of that that's that's so obvious um i think that's a big one i think the no travel even with days between games i think uh that probably is saving guys legs i i imagine that that players are getting better sleep uh be without without the travel um and i that that can't hurt um from a just from a percentage standpoint i think the fact that that foul rates on jumpers are up a little higher um and have been kind of the entire bubble probably bumps up the percentage a little bit just because you know you get fouled and you miss a shot it doesn't count as a miss um and yeah the shooting background uh probably plays into it also um so i i think that it it's a little of all of those probably rolled together and then you know catching some some positive variants and then that's that's maybe building on itself and and a and a little dollop of hot hand theory and 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 guys making their heat checks and and here we are I mean, it doesn't seem to me now I, well i guess i'll say this i think in the first three games particularly for utah it seemed like guys were way more open uh and they were just these are just absolute like dare you three-pointers except you know if these are 40 percent three-point shooters they're daring to shoot it um you know i think denver though these are guys who aren't great shooters uh, who are hitting and i'm just do you think that guys are more open like i, I mean I, I we don't have access to the tracking data to confirm that it didn't seem though like they're particularly more open at least to people who do have access to the tracking data no one has tweeted that you'd think that they would so yeah i mean it's got to just be some confluence of all those things you mentioned 
Yeah, no, I've, I've, uh, with, you know, sources with access to it, I've kind of checked from time to time. And uh, the change in overall shot quality between kind of pre-bubble and bubble has been negligible. Um, so I, I, I don't think that that's it. Um, I agree with you that at the start of this series, um, Utah was definitely getting, certainly games two and three, I think Utah was getting um, anything they wanted really off of some pretty simple actions. And, um, I know we're going to get into adjustments that, that, that Denver's made, but it seems like they've gotten away from that a little bit. Um, and and now it's just Mitchell, you know, tossing, tossing in contep- uh, contested pull-ups with guys in his face. Yeah, which, uh, you know, he, he's done a, a pretty good job of. You know, he was 9 of 13 from three. Uh, but sorry, that's actually not good enough because Jamal Murray was 9 of 12 from three right. in this game and had 50 points. And, and oh, by the way, Dan Feldman looked this up when I suggested it to him there have now been more 50 point games in this series than there have ever been in one playoffs the record was three uh in 1962 and 2001 I think so that's been absolutely crazy as well but much as it's been this fantastic offense from Denver and Murray actually competing defensively has changed things so I wanted to ask you what have you seen to explain Denver all of a sudden like getting their shit together defensively in this last game and a half or so so I think part of it is the lineup adjustment I think uh I'll I'll say this for Michael Porter Jr he has he has he has made efforts defensively he is just still kind of lost and that's every game uh that, that he started, Utah would just run every action at him to start the game and, and put Denver kind of in a bad way just to start a game. Uh, and without that kind of obvious um, weak point, uh, they haven't known where to go as much. And um, I kind of think that, that Utah has should still be going to the stuff that worked well against Porter. Uh, anytime they run like, like a handoff or a pick and roll where it gets the ball to Ingles or Conley going to their left, uh, it, it it just the, the seize part and and they've they've had you know great great stuff whether it's you know a skip pass to the opposite corner whether it's hitting Gobert on the roll whether it's it's the 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 driver getting in the lane and finishing and they ran that once or twice to start the game tonight and I can't remember them going back to it again over the entire course of the game and that's that's a it's a simple action that Denver has just like struggled regardless of personnel to cover all series yeah I thought they did a little better job on the Ingles Gobert pick and roll but you're right they went away from that in this game and I thought Denver they started off with Jokic back and that didn't work Utah scored like 16 points on like their first 10 possessions or something like that and then they started bringing Jokic further up towards the level of the ball but maybe that works better now when you've got Grant and Millsap together in the starting lineup on the back line and so Utah really went away from uh, the pick and roll entirely it it was really surprising Gobert was no longer involved and they tried to do a lot of switching and they still you know this wasn't an offensive loss for Utah but hey 118 offensive rating for Utah that's like getting shut down (laughs) in this series I think the biggest thing has been yeah they're still giving up the threes Utah's making them at a crazy rate but they're not letting Utah just score completely unmolested inside anymore. They are really, they changed up, I thought, to take away the rim. And whether that's leaving Jokic back, whether that's uh, Grant and Millsap, who I thought were both really good as help defenders in this game, taking away the rim, that they at least have something now. And, you know, there's also the thing that you really enjoy talking about, which is like actually executing better at the stuff you're supposed to be doing to begin with. Yeah, I think that's right. I think um, especially games like tonight where he is he is not just hitting, but is is willingly taking uh, kind of above the break threes. Uh, Grant at small forward. I think that's a that's a very interesting defensive piece for for Denver. And and I think you're right that that has a lot to do with why they've been somewhat stingier in the paint. Um, and certainly something we saw, I think, a lot early in the series was was uh, Utah's bigs, whether it was whether it was Gobert or, or Tony Bradley, um, kind of making or, or even uh, even Jawan Morgan, kind of making plays out of like a like a short roll or on the roll, and and it seems like um, we're just not even seeing them get the ball in, in those situations anymore. And when they are, uh, it's you know Jokic is back and leaning on them, and and another whether it's Millsap or Grant, kind of flying in from the backside to contest so um even those inside shots are are, are as, as you say less less free money than they were kind of early in some earlier games in the series yeah they put more pressure on gobert he's struggled to finish 
the last couple of games just the overall pressure level the guys who are on the ball competing more not just getting completely screened out of the play uh you haven't you've seen just more hands in the passing lanes just a little more pressure so it's not gobert just getting the ball at the free throw line with just a, a free run in on a four on three that pass to the roll man has been more difficult i think they actually might want to consider doing a little more shorting of the pick and roll to try to get the angle because denver's doing a better job there it, it's really just been yeah they've changed up a few things schematically and and they're taking away the rim they're they're saying at least we're not going to get beat there but overall guys just playing harder gary harris coming back just giving them another option of competence so it wasn't monte morris or michael porter both of whom have gotten scorched and then i think utah also has kind of fallen in love with their ability to hit shots as well and I their process hasn't been as good i think that's a that's that's legitimately a big part of it um i think there's you're seeing a lot of possessions where they run an action and then mitchell dribbles back out to to half court and you know goes goes one-on-one and you know he's made yeah. Even shots. Conley was doing it. Yeah, when when he was the main guy, yeah. and and obviously when you know you when when Jordan Clarkson is prominently involved, you're going to get some of that also. Um, and and yeah, I think that's that is um. You know, when Utah's been at their best this series, they've 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 you know used some side to side ball motion to kind of get whatever they want, get some drives on on kind of the backside, um, you know, uh, uh, attacking uh, Denver's closeouts, and and they're just not putting themselves in those positions as much. I think you know, the, I think you're right in terms of their well, we're making the shot, so I can get that shot anytime I want. So let me find that shot uh, instead of like you said, instead of you know working the process that was uh, that was working so well for you know the first four games of the series so uh, any major adjustments that you would have uh, for either team going into uh, a game seven here i'm glad we're getting at least one game seven here in the first yeah. round um yeah i think i would you know just continue to to probably put more pressure on murray uh in the pick and roll maybe force him to his to his weekend a little bit more um wh- whether that means you, you know uh Jokic is not a player who's going to he's going to make a play out of a short roll if he trap but he's not going to rumble down the lane and finish with great aplomb so yeah I don't I don't know about that one man because that's getting Gobert really far from the hoop and they have no one else to protect the rim I I would be very wary of that personally I, I, I'm not I'm not even saying necessarily like a like a like a blitz a, a full blitz but more of a of a show or an up to the level just to to give the 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 ball handler defender who I think has to do a better job of of staying connected um time to kind of to kind of recover and you know at a certain point um there, at a certain point there's maybe okay if he's gonna if he's gonna keep hitting those shots um you a little bit of tip your cap but and and not completely sacrifice your your whole defensive concept to sell out to you know to stop that but i think that they that they can improve their point of attack def- defense a little bit whether it's it's the uh the, the whether it's murray's defender getting over better or uh gobert you know meeting up meeting up a little higher or a combination of both yeah well they've also gone to pick and rolls that haven't involved gobert and Jokic at all that was what killed him at the end of game one they've kind of gone away from those a little bit involving the four man more that was the big adjustment in at the end of game five and murray you know basically unless it's royce o'neill like he's just cooking guys one-on-one at this point too so i what would you think of just sending like another small to go double team and get the ball out of his hands Maybe not at the start, but if he really gets going like he did at times in this game. I mean, it's it's hard for me, you know, he's he's reached that level in this series. It's hard for me to think of Jamal Murray as a guy you need to, you know, double at half court. But, you know, he, <laughs> he's got two 50-point games a series, so maybe he's a guy that yeah. you need to double at half court. <laughs> well, when he gets started, I think particularly when he gets started on one of these, Jamal Murray has scored the last 10 points. Maybe you go- send that double team just periodically so it's like, Maybe he's only scored the last four points for the Nuggets, right? And right. That, then you throw that in on occasion, particularly with some of the, I would say even with the starting unit more so, uh, you might try to find a way to do that. Gobert is a good guy who can zone up behind the play. And yeah, you know, that's going to let Jokic get going. They can attack some four on threes, but you know, they had a 130 defensive rating in this game. So uh, <laughs> basically whatever you're going to do to get the ball out of his hands, they're not going to score as well as what he did when he had it in this game. I'll, I'll turn Alternatively, I mean, maybe the answer is is let him cook, and I think that they can probably do well to give up a few fewer dare shots 
to some of those some of the other guys like yeah you're yeah. not you're not afraid of Jeremy Grant but if you're leaving Jeremy Grant wide open he'll shoot it and he's shot open threes well this year so the key there is being close enough that it's not an open three and then you know if, if Jeremy Grant is going to be you know attacking a closeout from the angle or something like that I think you'd probably rather that be Denver's offense right now so I think um, maybe being a little more attentive to to some of the other guys might you know soften the blow so okay, if if Murray's going off, it's not him, and then he passes, and the next guy's a wide banging a wide open three two. Um, so you know, take one take one or the other away. Instead, they're they're kind of doing neither. Yeah, it seems that way. I mean, the crazy thing about it. I mean, do you agree with me? Like Jokic has shot well in this series on jumpers, but like he's basically like been shut down by Gobert other than jump shots. Yeah, no, this I I wrote about this last week, and and uh, because the ball has been in Murray's hands so much, like like Jokic has been you know has been relegated almost to a pure like spacer role. I mean, you can you, you like the, the the theory is maybe well we'll pull Gobert away from the basket, but that really hasn't happened so far. He's been as much of a rim deterrent as he kind of always is. Uh, and yeah, yep. Jokic has made some shots, but it's kind of taken away uh, his playmaking. Um, now with Murray playing as well as he has been, and uh, spe- not as much tonight because he had some, he had a few turnovers, uh, but how well he's taking care of the ball too, um, that has been a kind of a huge boon for Denver. Um, you know, losing Jokic's playmaking, but Murray has basically, you know, filled that void, you know, more than competently. The other adjustment I would make for the Jazz is when they are attacking with these perimeter pick and rolls rather than Gobert, that they need to go right away at whoever is switching onto them. Like they've been doing this, back it out, let everyone get set again. Yeah. Like where they really had success, particularly attacking Porter, was just go right at him immediately as soon as the switch occurs. Don't let everyone get comfortable and get to boxes and elbows and uh, be ready to help and all that. Just like go run it right down his throat. And then you also have the advantage of Jokic is your rim protector in that situation. So if you can get past that first guy, Jokic is not going to protect him. He's been better. He's been, you know, just bad defensively these last two games as opposed to like one of the worst defensive center performances I've ever seen in which in uh, the playoffs in the first three games. So uh, that's something I, w- I would look at as well. The other thing I might do if Denver is going to continue getting Jokic further out on the floor is more double pick and rolls. It's much harder to get that. We saw Dallas use that against the Clippers too. It's much harder to get that trap when you, there's two screens for the yeah. guy guarding the ball handler, and then you can kind of get Jokic out in space and uh, split the the screen or curl around that second guy. Damian Lillard will do that a lot as well. So those those are like some. And I mentioned shorting the pick and roll too, but I do think just generally going back to getting Gobert involved, setting some screens uh, is something they really need to try more of. Yeah, just get it. Just anything to get the ball kind of going downhill at an angle. Like Denver does not do a good job of keeping the ball moving east-west out of out of actions. The other team runs, and so when it's moving north-south, then especially again, I've just I, I don't want to harp on this, but especially like Conley and and Ingles going to their left hand, it just opens the whole floor up because both of them can can you know have such a wide array of of passes they can make going to their strong hand that way and. And, and it was something that was, you know, very, not just effective, but aesthetically pleasing for the first couple of games. And it's just, it's vanished. And, and I kind of wanted back as a, as a viewer. Anything you would do for either coach in terms of playing time? Uh, I was, uh, there's, there's been a lot of George Nyang uh, near the end. I think, you know, you're you're getting cooked anyway. So maybe having Joe Ingles on the floor is, you, you know, and he, he's at least, you know, enormous. So maybe he can get get his hand on a, on a ball here and there. Um, but they're, they're kind of missing his, his shooting a little bit in some of the, in some of these lineups. Um, I think that's that. That's the big one for Utah. Um, I mean, Denver's in a weird spot because what do you do with Gary Harris right now? I would start him. I would start you him. Go, in the right, next game. go right, go right to start him. Okay. I, I mean, because Monte Morris gets taken advantage of a, a lot. I mean, it, maybe Harris just isn't ready. I mean, he was plus sixteen. I thought even you know moving at seventy five percent on offense, he still is easily their best perimeter defender. Like, it's not even close. Like he's he's the only guy in this team to get over a screen in six games, sure. and he did it in this one. And even just his understanding as a help defender as well to just shrink the floor when they're going after Porter. 
quarter. Like he had like a nice dig down yep. off of Niang uh, to uh, strip Clarkson, for example. Like he just has a he has a defensive mindset. Like he knows what he's doing out there. They just to have one more guy on the perimeter who can do that and isn't going to get taken advantage of physically the way Morris is. Uh, I thought would be big. So if if he if they feel like he can handle it, I would put him out there, particularly because you don't want to start this game out way down. Right. So who 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 do you think like loses out there? You think Morris? Well, I think, think Morris think doesn't need to play 25 minutes. Yeah. Um, you know, I think just at the expense of Craig and Morris, just to get him a little bit. Now, we'll see whether Gary Harris's shot, which was broke even before this, is comes around. But they're not going to just let Gary Harris shoot it. Like, he has enough of a rep as a shooter, I think. Um, for the Jazz, I agree with you. Man, were Utah's backup bigs just atrocious in this game. Gobert had to play 42 minutes. Yeah, that's... It's uh I know before the season they, they had they had some hopes for Ed Davis and it just it, it kind of turned out that, that the things he's good at are just not as useful anymore and he his yeah. body he, he may down. not be good at those things anymore either. Yeah, yeah, and, and and exactly. And you know, the, the, they started an undrafted rookie, you know, <laughs> earlier here in, in, in Juwan Morgan. So that and and you know, Tony Bradley's had some moments, but yeah, he's especially with, with Denver's offense going the way it's going, he's he's not ready to play at this level yeah and i mean they ran the same handoff play twice in a row to get murray going downhill at him and they got a foul and an easy layup and quinn snyder was like i've had enough i'll go with morgan and then morgan couldn't do anything either right. so it was that was pretty rough um so and, and i mean in this game seven too i mean you would imagine you know mike conley's been at 34 minutes you imagine they'll bump that up a little bit even mitchell only played 40 in this game ingles 30 i mean it's going to be all hands on deck and hopefully they won't have to play these guys too much. Um, Gobert foul trouble could loom large, but that wasn't a, a, an issue in this game. Um, anything else that stuck out to you uh, about this one before we move on? I'm interested to see how much they put uh, they, they put Conley on Murray. That's They haven't tried that at all. I think they're worried that Murray is just going to knock him backwards, create the space, and just shoot right over him. Um, but they don't have many options. Yeah, I mean, no, I think I'm, Mitchell I... has done okay. I think, I mean, the thing we're talking about again is in in those, and this is something that that Denver has been much more fastidious about uh, keeping with, is, you know, even when Murray is going into this one-on-one play, it's off of some kind of, whether it's, you know, a drag screen or or, or, or a horns action or something, they're, they're doing something to get him into some sort of movement. And, and that is kind of creating the little bit of initial separation. And I think Mike Conley is still pretty good at navigating those situations. So maybe even if once it gets into that one-on-one situation, like Murray might still have an advantage. Um, that's less of an advantage than you know Murray coming off coming off with the guy already on his hip, and then he you know gets in that step back game or gets all the way to the rim or, or what have you. Um, so I think that that I would at least want to see that. I'm, I, I I was looking it up, and there's the game three was the only only game where um, you know even even four percent of the time that that Murray was on offense, he was guarded by Conley. Um, huh. and so yeah. Like Jordan Clarkson has guarded him basically as much as as Conley has this series. Yeah, I mean, hey, it can't be any worse. Uh, I, I <laughs> yeah. don't predict that'll end well, but it hasn't ended well for anyone else. Right. I mean, and I think particularly when Royce O'Neal is not in the game to guard Murray, because, you know, Murray is going to play 44 minutes in this next game and Royce O'Neal isn't going to play that many minutes. That's when I would think seriously about some of those, like, two guards just go double team him uh, and make him give the ball up. But uh, let's shift now to the first game of the day, which was Boston and Toronto. You predicted on Danny's podcast podcast that this would be a close back and forth series in terms of games but that we could see a lot of blowouts that obviously is what happened Boston hits four of their first five threes and really it was never within contacting Toronto got it back within 13 at one point late in the third or early fourth but they never particularly threatened at all there was one moment where uh Toronto was down 12 uh got a rebound Lowry pushed it um and kind of got a little ahead of himself and like realized he was getting like double teamed and was about to lose the ball jumped in the air and threw a pass back towards half court where he's expecting his like three other teammates to be running and none of them are running and it was a turnover and Boston immediately comes down and bangs a three and they miss again and Boston comes back down and gets an and one and then suddenly it's 18 and the game's over um so there's that one moment kind of where Lowry had a little bit of a of a burst where he started to get downhill a few times um and actually created some good stuff for Toronto's offense but aside from that I think um a lot of what we worried about in terms of Toronto's inability to 
attack a set defense, I think really showed itself, especially in the first quarter. So Boston was 17 and 39 from three. Toronto was 10 out of 40. We always like to talk here. It's it's just shooting luck. Is that the case here? Was this just simply a matter of Boston making more threes? Or is uh, do you think, no, like Boston severely outplayed them uh, to end up winning by 18, 112-94? I think, and having looked into to, to some of this a little bit since that this game was early today, had a little bit of time to do it. I think what what we're gonna we're gonna look at and see is that the last the the second through fourth quarters were probably played relatively easily with Boston just making just having some better shot making. I think the first quarter was was pretty dominant from from the Celtics, especially defensively. And so even if that that kind of shot making had had been you know normalized over the rest of the game, I think that that like that's where they won the game anyway. So maybe the margin is not as as you know lopsided uh, with with more normal shot making like a little bit of, of shot making regression but i don't think this is not a this was not a you know a, a no way game for for uh for toronto where if they if they make those shots is that like toronto didn't you know put themselves in a situation to be down big after the first quarter and didn't really do anything to get back in the game after that the big number 77 offensive rating in the half court per cleaning the glass by toronto and boston 104 offensive rating in the half court which actually is fantastic for just half court possessions um and you know the big theme was that they had to keep toronto out of transition they did that but according to cleaning the glass you know toronto added four points in their transition boston actually was terrible in transition in this so toronto was decent enough in transition but not you know dominating the way they are usually during the the regular season i thought boston did a good job most of the time when rob williams was in there they lost discipline a little bit that that big man loading to the ball getting back being ready like that's a big part of what they're doing um yeah, Tice, I, I felt the so same way. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying that Tice is so important to the series. Like he, he, I think I thought Robert Williams played really well today. But just in yeah. terms of of the way Boston wants to play defense, um, and the fact that Toronto doesn't really have, you know, that's a he's he's sort of a, a of a of a weird matchup for for some teams uh, from Boston's standpoint. Um, Toronto is not one of those teams because I don't think either Gasol or Ibaka is really gonna manhandle him. Um, the, the way that 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 some might you know not to look ahead two series but for example like he's not stout enough to to stand up to Giannis for example but right but you know that, that obviously uh, Toronto does not present that kind of uh, that that kind of problem so this is what I looked at going back to the three point shooting question. Boston was 10 out of 13 at one point. They missed a couple in garbage time, but 10 out of 13 on corner threes and Toronto was two out of six. And yes, they're not going to shoot that ridiculous percentage, but to generate that many corner threes compared to the ones that Toronto was generating and Toronto's a bunch of their threes were above the break, eight out of 34. And I thought that many of them were pretty harried uh, and you know, Boston does have this history of teams shooting worse from three against them. We don't need to get into that whole debate over whether that's <laughs> a skill that they have as a defense or not. But it did seem to me that a lot of these Toronto threes were kind of on the move, not like just awesome shots necessarily. Uh, and I thought a lot of Boston shots, those corner threes, I mean, those are all wide open. They did a nice job of driving in, activating that Toronto defense. And as a further point, just generally, Toronto has a lot of different looks they can do defensively, but generally they were kind of the a mini bucks model of taking away the rim and giving up a lot of threes. And Boston, they've got a lot of guys who want to shoot threes and they don't really get all the way to the rim that much. So at least for this game, and I'm sure that the Raptors will have adjustments coming, uh, Boston really the way they wanted to play offense worked against the the Raptors and then the bigger problem though is that the Raptors really just could not generate two on the ball situations that often and that was one of the big issues yeah that we no, thought coming I, in no I think I think that that's you can you can look at Toronto's defense but um there's been other games in, in the playoffs where we've seen where a team has maybe gotten you know has had a big number hung on them um I think that uh not that we're going to get to it but um the Oklahoma the the last Thunder Rockets game I, I felt the same way that it wasn't that it wasn't um 
um, you know, the, the, the Thunder's defense in this game, the Raptors' defense. I mean, it wasn't great, but that's not why they lost. The The reason they lost, like as you said, is is they, they, they just did could not win a one-on-one scenario and they couldn't, they didn't find a way to scheme any, any as you say, any, any situations where, where Boston had to commit two to the ball. And so you end up in a lot of situations where Siakam is, is having to, you know, post up through, you know, traffic or, or Van Vliet is having to create against a larger defender. Um, and uh, as good as those two guys are, that's not leaning into their strengths. Yeah, I mean, what did you think of Siakam's game overall? So I actually, yeah, it was, it's interesting. I got a, I got a, a text from a coach friend of mine during the game, noting that every time he posted up, uh, they were, they were, he would post up on the left block, and they would just show him middle, like dare him to turn over right shoulder, and he got nothing from that all, all game. Whether he was, you know, had a theoretical advantage in the post or, or whatever, it's just they, they were not going to let him get back to like his left shoulder for. A a drop step or a jump hook or a turnaround or anything like that yeah because he's got that nice touch off the glass yeah. basically like a, a along the lane line yeah. and um I thought he got good looks against Jalen Brown um, in the post. That was the initial matchup. It was very interesting. I wondered if Stevens is a a quick non sequitur, but I wonder if Stevens was just like, hey, we're going to avoid getting cross-matched in transition, so just guard whoever's guarding you on the other end. Like, I I think maybe they started that way, at least. I don't know if that was a thought of just like, hey, we're not that scared of any of these guys, so just guard whoever's guarding you, and we'll just make sure that we're matched up in transition. But um, I thought... He was able to get good looks against Brown. He missed a couple early, then got into the foul trouble. Smart, I thought, did a little bit better. He's going to try and like get underneath him, take charges. And then the brick shit house, I thought he had no chance posting up uh, on him. Yeah. That, that's semi-old by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I just just you note the foul trouble. I do I do want to uh, to commend Nick Nurse. I I do uh, I, I do enjoy when a coach is like, hey, um, my guy has my, my 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 best or one of my best few players has a couple fouls. He's not a high foul guy, um, so we're gonna play him with foul trouble. Um, and you know it ended up not mattering because they ended up you know getting blown out today. But it's not like you 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 can't save him. He 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 had three fouls in the first quarter and didn't pick up his fourth foul till early in the fourth quarter if i remember correctly and yeah you know nurse played him basically his normal normal minute load through through there so i I do want to commend that i think that's that is that is good process um but particularly when you're down yeah particularly when you're down like i mean there's no tomorrow at that point like what are you saving him for you got to get back into the game before you can get to an end of the game right yeah, you're already in a situation where the, the 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 crunch time that you're saving a guy for is unlikely and becomes increasingly less so if you if you have your you know your all star player sitting next to you on the bench. Who did you think was the best player in this game? Oh, I, I have Tatum. an answer, but I, I'd like Tatum. to hear what yours is. Tatum. Who you said Tatum? Tatum. Yeah. Yeah. I, are you going to say Kemba? Well, I'm not going to. I was going to say yeah. Kemba. Yeah. I mean, they were. They were. I mean, I think they were the two best players on the floor. Um, well, and you know, Tatum. Yeah, if he finished nine out of eighteen in the end. He had a rough start to it i thought uh but then he was able to find some space in the mid-range like he was attacking gasol and gasol did a pretty good job defending it at the at, at the rim but i thought the reason i said kempa was the, the tennis and he was the guy to me the one guy on either team who was really changing the defensive scheme like they had to get their ball handlers way up towards the level of the screen uh and he was able to get penetration get downhill and force double teams and then kick out to open shooters he set up a number of those corner threes for instance and so he was the one guy who i felt like they he really made the raptors defense react in a way that no one else was able to cause in this game. But Tatum was great too. I, yeah, I, I, there there were a few there are a few situations where Tatum kind of came off the screen and walked into a three, and and maybe the defense didn't react, but um, you know they, they should. <laughs> so <laughs> so that they I think the the lack of reaction is is not to knock on Tatum rather than it's a, a yeah a you know a breakdown from uh, from from the Raptors. So I th- you know yeah I, I thought OG did a good job on him when he was on him though. They started they started with. 
with yeah. Lowry on him and then they went to OG and I thought Tatum was not able to get much when OG was on him it was mostly off of switches and mismatches that's fair um and, and I mean OG remains completely impossible to isolate against like even Tatum I felt like really is just not able to get good looks against maybe that'll change later in the series no that's fair um and and really I'm 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 more thinking of Tatum just again operating in the same way that that, that Walker does is, is kind of coming off that angle pick and roll and then you have UK you you can't just let him walk into a three so you got to do something else and Tatum especially is has gotten so crafty he had he had that one gorgeous euro step where he kind of you know leaned to his left and hung in the air and banked it off the glass and and uh and and on the broadcast they made a big deal about about how you know earlier in his career he would have settled for you know a like a leaning 10 footer but he took the one extra dribble to get all the way to the rim with that yeah it's, it's those kind of things that that are really you know separating him as an offensive player yeah i got a few more just kind of non sequitur observations sure. feel free to, to to break in in response to some of these um i thought kemba was really good defensively within his his limitations you know he took that charge on siakam he was fighting he actually like protected the rim without fouling a couple times on van vliet and lowry early in the game stole a, a backdoor pass that looked like it was open like i thought he really competed hard it, I, I give him a lot of credit for that at his size he's not known as a defensive player um I thought that Boston really has the advantage with their starting group out there and when they have to go to the bench it doesn't look as good particularly multiple bench players and when i say the starting group i really mean the four perimeter guys that start with hayward out when they have all four of those guys on the floor their communication is so seamless it can start to break down for them a little bit on both ends when they go to to some of these bench guys um so how many minutes those guys are going to play and all play together um because nick nurse is definitely going to play his main guys more minutes than brad stevens is until he's at least until they force Stevens to do that yeah um I I kind of in in this series I I would almost include Tice with that also I mean I know yeah again Williams was really good today today <laughs> yeah no uh, it could easily go sideways yeah. he also was exhausted after playing like four minutes in a row like they gotta cycle him out faster i think like towards the end of the first in particular he was just sucking wind yeah um maybe it's your guy grant williams that can get a little time at center i don't you know i'm, I'm always here for more grant time um <laughs> I, toronto needs to do more to get lowry in, in getting downhill a little bit i think yeah he, he's got he just because when he gets in those situations Situations, he does have that ability to fling himself into guys and and grift free throws. And, oh yeah, and, just, and, uh, that's and, just such and, a joy to watch. Yeah, I, you know, uh, like aesthetics aside, like yeah, it works. I it, know it works. That's why that's why it annoys me partially. Yeah, um, and you know, uh, Siakam is 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 going to at least on today's evidence is going to struggle to create advantages in in one on one situations, and that's sort of always been the worry about about Van Vliet. You know, looking towards you know whatever what whatever happens with him this offseason is you know he's he's an excellent player who is going to be who has high likelihood of being um miscast in a more leading role shall we say um so it's 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 going to be you know same as it ever was on lowry to kind of be the guy be the tip of the spear a little bit and and i think they need to do more that they had one kind of stretch in i think the third quarter where he 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 came off pick and rolls hard and got in the paint like several several times in a row and that just needs to happen more yeah you could tell though that boston both he and van vliet but particularly him it was show your hands if you are guarding kyle lowry and he tries to drive and we are going to make him finish it through him i noted the difference between you know it was the second unit guys who lowry was getting in line i think he got like three fouls like right at the end of the third early fourth he missed a couple of the free throws which were was critical uh, as they tried to build the comeback but you can tell they're like no we are not giving up these bs fouls to lowry we're going to make him actually finish at the rim and you know he struggled to do that in this one yeah um another thing for toronto is um marcus has got to be willing to shoot the ball yeah um from three in particular you think from three in particular yeah um i i you know i can say that that was a uh you know he uh last year's in the conference finals uh uh you know we started out guarding him uh or 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 using his man kind of freely as a helper in pick and roll and uh first couple games that series he would he took a couple made a couple but it 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 seemed like starting later in the series he's like okay every time i catch it i'm gonna shoot if there's no one guarding me and you know he's he has to do that if they're going to he doesn't want to though he, he wants to just like ping it around the perimeter uh, he doesn't want he, to but he's a good yeah. enough shooter that he's got to shoot it he just has to they need him to yeah 
he was actually more aggressive around the rim in this game, which I appreciated. I mean, you noticed, uh, I mean, Boston was just so locked in on the tendencies for trying. You mentioned the Siakam thing. Uh, I forget who it was guarding him in the post. Gasol, knowing that he, on the left block, he loves to get middle for that hook shot and doesn't really like to go baseline. And they, they were so concerned with not letting him get middle that finally he just like had to take the baseline. He actually made the layup, but it was kind of awkward. But I, I mean, I thought just the coaching from Boston and what they did, just avoiding some of the usual mistakes. I talked about that as one of the big things is just you have to avoid making mistakes against this Raptors offense. And if you can do that and actually make them beat you that you, you can be in a pretty good place and that they did that today for sure yeah and then obviously and this is why when when i talk we you know i think you agree with me on on what i said on danny's show is that there's that this is a series where where like in game the momentum is going to be you know pretty big and so starting off better defensively for them get get them get, get themselves some uh some easy looks just in transition yeah some the, the one thing i disagree with you on i'm not sure this raptors team can blow out the celtics i just don't know if they can score enough unless they're just going to get a crap ton of turnovers but they actually forced 22 turnovers in this game low key that's going to improve you would think uh, for boston so uh even if they shoot worse from three they at least will have more chances at it um any other quick hitters uh, on this game no i don't think so i think again it's it's um it 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 is always this is one of those games because it was so seems so emphatic that you just have to remind yourself that game two was starting zero zero and yeah um especially as we get later in the playoffs kind of these early series blowouts are kind of less of an indicator as they might be earlier in the playoffs where you know there's more kind of obvious mismatches and talent where yeah of course they blew them out because they're much better Whereas these are two pretty evenly matched teams, and this just kind of happens a fair amount in the playoffs. I, I had a couple more notes. Um, Toronto played Gasol and Ibaka together early in the second quarter, perhaps due to Siakam's having three fouls. I thought that lineup actually looked pretty decent. Um, they went to a 2-3 zone a lot of the time when they had those guys in there. And I particularly against some of these Boston backup units, like Grant Williams was out there during that period that might not shoot it as well. I would consider maybe trying to steal some minutes with those two guys and really just completely barricading everything uh, with the height. Um, at least give that a look. That was that was a unit that they went to against Philly last year, and it worked okay. So those guys have played together before. Do you think? Uh, you can, yeah. Do you think you can get away with with guarding Jalen Brown with Ibaka? Or let me. Well, let me, that's why that's part of why you go with the zone there in that group. Well, no, but let me ask it another way. Do you think you can? Oh, yeah. You, you can, in the man of man. Yeah, in a man of man. Do you think you can bait Jalen Brown into? Uh, yeah, like Jalen Brown was a little trigger happy today. Um, do you think you can bait him into that a little bit more? If you show him, well, Serge Bach is guarding you. And I don't think that's a, that's not a great matchup for Toronto, but I think I would rather Jalen Brown working that matchup than Kemba or Tatum kind of coming off, coming off the pick and roll. Yeah, it's probably rare that they would be forced into that because Ibaka and Gasol together going against their starters is probably not going to happen that much. And Brown also cooked Horford, who's kind of a similar defender to Ibaka at this point. Ibaka might be better than him. So I, I, I'm, uh, I think if they just really can't stop the Celtics, maybe I would consider that. But I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that one. Well, necessarily, part of it is 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 also because of you, like you know, Brown is athletic enough to get himself in trouble. And so yeah. that that is a way that, you know, you can actually generate some pace the other way off of some of those kind of questionable shot attempts. Yeah. For, for some missed layups. And, yeah. And, which are easy to run off of. Yeah. Um, I thought that the Celtics, particularly late in the clock, had some good success with Tatum pick and pops with Walker. I think that particularly at the end of games, I might consider yeah. to going with that Tatum slipping the screen because they did a really good job, I thought, of making Tatum's catches difficult. It's like when they would run that series where they kind of start with Tatum at the free throw line, he runs a little Iverson cut to the wing, like they were forcing him to catch that further out on the floor where he wasn't as comfortable. So that's a way to kind of get Tatum a little bit of an advantage to attack, particularly if OG is guarding him and kind of doesn't really want to leave him that much. So that that's one I'd like to see more of from Boston. Yeah, he he did get one or two pretty pretty easy catches uh, for for good looks at three off of just you know not even really almost more of a cross than even like a pick and pop. Like he like yeah, it's like you say he's he's not really setting setting the pick. He's not really slipping to the rim either. He's just kind of waving at the defender and running to the opposite wing and and Kemba's kind of reversing the ball to him right away. But both defenders kind of. 
kind of stick with Kemp for just that beat. And I thought they got, like like you said, I think they got a couple of, of, of good looks off of that. And two more things I would say. Walker had, you know, he looked like he kind of re-injured his knee on a Euro step and transition, and but looked fine after yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, but that's something to watch. Yeah. Maybe. Because he's had issues with that, that left knee. And see, I had one more thing. Oh, Brad Wanamaker, I thought has looked really good in the bubble. Just overall, like he's really sped up his release. He was two of four from three, like no dip at all now, which I didn't remember. Like he's really like made himself into a better spot up shooter. And he was, he was totally adequate uh, and he's a tough defensive guard. And then you can get away with playing him because Toronto plays two small guards uh, as well. So I thought he, it gave him a lot in this game. Yeah. Good. Like he said, it's a good, good series for him. Good matchup for him uh holy shit we're 50 minutes in all right we could go a little quicker on dallas dallas clippers though here i think um (laughs) you said it on twitter but feel free to elaborate here that this just seemed like a series where one team figured the other one out yeah especially with no no porzingis um you know dallas just kind of kind of ran out of ideas we talked earlier about about roro sorry my chair just broke but that's okay let's continue here okay i have to it has like this piece that i periodically have to adjust like once a month because it gets loose and it just uh okay i i felt it starting to slip and i was like oh, i hope this doesn't distract him i couldn't mute in time but i i'm quite comfortable though no, <laughs> that's good don't worry we're not we're not editing this out either this is you're getting the raw goods here a live radio um I, th- I thought it was a cat attack which is you know something we both share uh in, in our in our podcasting <laughs> no my cats are, are a little more a little more chill than yours i think okay um let me see if any i'm not being stalked by a feline no so we talked earlier about you know how utah was just sort of devolving into you know kind of five out and going one-on-one i think that with porzingis out um really looked like that's where dallas ended up way too much and you know luca had a had had kind of one burst where he's good enough that kind of brought them back to six but it was just it's it's such a tough road to hoe just having you know guys spread out and him you know chasing down the teeth of a defense every time with nobody else who's really able to you know create anything and especially with tim hardaway not playing great not having a ton of other guys that um the defense is really keyed in on like okay yeah we'll close out on on maxi kleba but if he shoots a three we we think we won that possession yeah, he was a little better in this game, but he struggled overall yeah. in the series. And I mean, to me, I thought Kawhi was just unbelievable again. Like he's uh, with all the other fireworks that we've had. If you wanted to ask me who looks like the best player in the NBA right now, it's still Kawhi Leonard to me. It was, it was, it was RoboCop like just just like I'm going to catch the ball here. I'm going to stare at you until you put your hand down. Then I'm going to stick a jumper in your face and I'll and I'll do it again and I'll do it again. And oh, you sent a soft double at me. Well, we'll swing, swing and land a shame hit an open three and that was like they dallas made that run to get it to six and then from there it was just you know utter devastation i think i think in their next six possessions like the clippers scored 14 points just off of mid post isos for for Kawhi. well and the other thing that changed there too was they took Montrose Harrell out of the game and put in Avicii Zubats. Yeah, no, it's I, that was it, it, it's unusual for him to get closing minutes, but he was uh, he he was good, and it, and it has always been weird why they why they just would never look at that. I mean, he's he's a guy who has had you know good rim protection numbers for his his career, and and isn't you know he's he's obviously not super mobile, but he's not immobile, um, and especially against a team like Dallas, where you know who are you worried about? It seems like having him as a deterrent at the rim is uh is helpful well because luca could just get right to the basket uh, when he's not in there and he really yeah. caused problems for luca yeah. luca hit a couple of layups around him in this game but he definitely really makes him think about it mm-hmm. and when harrell is in uh luca can just parade in there and uh Zubats is, he's one of the best room protectors when he's in position uh, yeah. in the nba and I, I thought he was really good tonight and We'll see whether that changes in whatever the next series is. But I think Doc Rivers, he's trying to get Harold back into things, but negative 19 in 15 minutes, and he doesn't look as explosive as he had. Harold's been a really good player for them. And I think there will be times if they can get him back into it where his mobility and switching can help a little bit more. But with Luca's ability to get to the basket and finish, it was just a really bad matchup yeah. for Harold, particularly given you know that he basically had taken a month off uh due to obvious reasons uh, with his personal absence but uh he definitely has a ways to go to get back to being the player he was during the regular season um 
Dallas broke out the zone finally. I thought it worked for a little bit in the second and third quarter when they kind of got back into it, just particularly enabled them to play Boban, which was good, where they weren't getting pick and rolled to death with Boban. He could kind of hang out around the rim a little bit. He won his matchup with Harrell again. So that he was plus 16 in 17 minutes. I thought that was a good adjustment from Carlisle, uh, but you know, Kawhi was just way too much. I mean, I, I, they tried to do something like those double drags against the Clippers trapping. They also shot terribly from three, 11 out of 37. If they'd shot better, maybe it would have been a little closer, but I, I, you, I definitely agree. Everything was really, really difficult for the Mavs in this one. Even if Luca had 38 points, Finney Smith was their second leading score with 16 and Hardaway had a miserable game. Um, any other just general thoughts uh, on that series at all? No, I feel like we maybe were a little robbed just by Porzingis' absence. I think that that becomes more than a little robbed. Yeah, that becomes a very uh, a very intriguing series. Um, I th- I do think that uh, that that um, uh, you know it, I don't want to make it sound like this is I'm praising them, but I think that the that the Maver- that the Clippers definitely succeeded to some extent kind of getting in Luca's head now does it matter he you know had 38 on you know 28 shots and but you know just the amount of of kind of complaining he he he, he was doing it every yeah every, every trip to the basket um now he, he he does that but it was it was accentuated and I think that he was he was operating at a kind of a, a higher rpm than than normal emotionally um and you know is that worth getting you know getting a guy kicked out for with a what you know seemed like a pretty blatant cheap shot probably not but it also seemed like uh the clippers diff definitely made a point of being as abrasive as possible kind of throughout the series um and to some degree you have to say it was effective I'm going to say that Marcus Morris doesn't have much control over whether he's abrasive or not. <laughs> yeah, but, but well, at the same time. Like yeah, the, but that's the guy they traded for, obviously. Yeah, but so. also, the, like, the Clippers were very, like, they're, they've had the most vocal bench in the league yeah. through the entire bubble. And they even amped it up, you know, another another couple levels throughout this, throughout the, just, just the kind of the chirpiness. And they, yeah. Harold Beverly, yeah. Marcus Morris, like those those guys uh, uh, do not have a lot of chill in them from a personality <laughs> standpoint. But I mean, this is pretty impressive for the Clippers. I thought that maybe without Morris, they could be in trouble because they would have to play Lou Williams and Reggie Jackson. Well, Reggie Jackson was actually, I mean, he was negative five, but he's been shooting the shit out of the ball from three, which has really helped. And then, I mean, they did this essentially without two starters. And, you know, this game wasn't close in the end, even so. Granted, the Mavs didn't have Porzingis either. Um but I, I hear you on Dodge. I think he really, uh, you know, like there was that play in crunch time of game one where he was complaining to the refs and just gave up a wide open three to Marcus Morris because he was still complaining. Like, you know, he's got to cut that shit out. But at 21, he's got time to do that. Yeah. Also, just it just the, the, the uh, kind of the luxury the Clippers have is, oh, we got, okay, Marcus Morris got kicked out. Well, Jamichael Green's here. Um, yeah. And and he was, you know, didn't have a huge stat line, but he was they, they were plus 20 with him in the game. And I thought he was, you know, just having, oh, we, we got a very important player kicked out but then we have another you know very competent who would be a rotation player and every team in the playoffs guy that we can we can just go to to do roughly the same things um that's a that, that's a luxury that uh that that they have like i was surprised at no point in the series did they ever like you know dust off rodney magruder and try him on on, on yeah Luka. Uh, just they they ended up like not really needing it, uh, but that's that's kind of the the, the depth and and uh, versatility of of this Clippers roster. Yeah, Paul George, the redemption story looked like it was going to continue. He was great in the first quarter, but he finished with an ugly fifteen points, six of nineteen five turnovers did have seven assists which was was something but uh, maybe his struggles are not totally in the rear view mirror yet but we'll have a lot more time to talk about uh, this Clippers team after they roll through whoever they're playing in the next round in five games and uh I think that's all I got uh, on this series so uh thanks so much for listening Seth thanks for joining us you can read him at the athletic and if you're a dunked on prime subscriber stick around seth and i are going to talk a little bit about it an article he wrote about joel Embiid and just the general idea of tiering players ranking players how much championship equity they'll give you uh so uh switch over to dunked on prime where you can subscribe at dunkedon.supportingcast.fm uh we got a week left on our pre-sale to get that special pre-sale pricing that grandfathers you in forever uh, at that special pre-sale price so uh, take advantage of that and you can listen to seth uh, right now if you want to
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.